0: This is the Procedus Initiative. I'm Chris Bean. I have a unique episode in store for you today. My guest, Mr. Jim Marshall, is a polymathic scholar, the author and discoverer of Septemix. We'll be exploring the fascinating world of Septemics and also dive into Jim's polymathic journey. Jim, how are you this morning?
1: Happy to see you. How are you?
0: I'm doing wonderful. Wonderful. You know, Jim. To to kick things off, could you could you give our listeners kind of a, a brief overview of what Septemix is and and what it entails?
1: Sure, but let me just say one sentence to introduce myself, so they have a frame of reference. Wonderful. I am the discoverer of hitherto unknown natural phenomena, which greatly aid in the understanding of people. From which I constructed revolutionary practical philosophic system called Septemics and published it in the book Septemics, Hierarchies of Human Phenomena. Septemics is a philosophical science based on the fact that many phenomena related to human beings occur in a sequence of seven levels. Excuse me, literally the word Septemics means of or pertaining to seven. Septemus comprises a collection of scales or sequences, each of which breaks down various human phenomena into a hierarchy of seven steps. There are 35 such scales, each of which is unique. And together they span the spectrum of human experience, by which I mean any problem, situation, difficulty, dilemma, etc., that any person has can successfully be analyzed by one or more of these scales, usually more than one.
0: You know, I have to tell you, I've been I've been reading your book. I'm about halfway through. I really, I really enjoy the way you've broken down those scales. And I think probably the most fascinating thing for me, and, and something I, I wish other authors would do because I think it's very, very valuable, is to have a, a a useful terms of definitions before you get into the text for that episode, for that for that chapter, because it's so important for the readers to understand the terminology that the author is using, why they're using those, and what they mean by those words that they're musing. So wonderful, wonderful, fascinating job on that. And, and really, again, a very interesting subject.
1: Thank you. Uh, as you pointed out, there is a glossary, not only in front of each chapter, even in front of the introduction, there's a glossary. And I did that to mitigate the inevitable semantic barriers that you're going to have, because... I have had a lifetime of helping people. Even as a child, I was helping people. That's why I wrote this book. My intention from the beginning in writing this book was to help the general public. So I had to write it in a way that would be accessible to the average reader.
0: Well, again, and I know I was having that glossary there is so important so that people can right. really understand what's going on.
1: Right. Because even people who are well-educated, there's always a question as to what definition is this person using? For example, there's a scale of communication. Well, if you look up the word communication, depending on what dictionary you look in, it has about 30 definitions. So you could reasonably ask, well, what definition is he using? And so I give one specific brief definition of communication that is exactly what I mean. And this is consistent with my whole uh, thrust in this book is to be unambiguous and clear. Because I want people to use this to to make their lives better. Because I, I know it does. I've been watching results from this for almost 28 years now. Because the first draft was released in 95. And so I've been seeing people change their lives. And more interesting to me is that people get this. They get it. It's not obscure. I went out of my way to make it accessible. There are millions of books out there that are hard to comprehend, hard to grasp, even for college graduates. And I wanted this to go for everybody. So I know I succeeded at that. Basically, what I'm finding now is, having been promoting this book for almost three years, is that the population breaks down into two main groups. Those who don't know about septemics, which is obviously the largest group, and those who love it. So when people find out about this, the reaction they have is, wow, where have you been all my life? So people use this. Uh, and I can give you lots of anecdotes to underscore this, for example, people will routinely look at a particular scale uh, and they're not thinking about, for example, the mother in law. It's not in their mind, right? And the guy will get down to level five and say, wait a minute, this is my mother in law. She's exactly like this. Because these phenomena are specific and because they're natural phenomena, they apply to people, which is why every person is at some level on every scale. Now, of course, you can ignore this data if you wish, but it's much smarter to use it. Because it's just like if you take your car out on the road, there's all kinds of signage. No left turn, stop, no U-turn, speed limits, etc. And if you don't comply, you get into a lot of trouble. Right There's a hundred different bad things that can happen to you if you don't observe the signage. That is what this book is like. It shows you where the edge of the road is. And because of that, this book will help the reader to forestall catastrophes, dilemmas, bankruptcies, divorces, indictments. And so forth, because you are forewarned about the people who are at or near the bottom of the scale. The dregs of society live at the bottom of these scales. And so uh, once you know the material, you see a person and you see a person is behaving exactly like that. You say, I'm not going to get involved with this person. I do this all the time. I meet people both online and in three dimensions. I look at the person. Like, it's very easy for me to see where this person falls on certain scales. And I can say either, this is somebody I don't want to mess with. Goodbye, have a nice day, and I move on. Or this is somebody I want in my life. Because this person is going to be an asset because it's an upscale person.
0: Well, you know, with that in mind, I have to say, again, I having been writing, reading your book, I was I was uh, slightly intimidating to 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 meet with you because I I I know that there's some levels that are going on and, and that will be at play in our conversation today. But but I enjoy. The opportunity, nonetheless, to, to speak with you and to learn uh, from you. Again, I've 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 been about halfway through your book. I and I don't I, I don't necessarily read books. I study them. I changed that terminology for myself. And just that slight change from reading to studying for me was such a big difference in my life. As opposed to reading them at surface level, I want to study them. I don't. I, there's no time frame. I don't have to get done with this book in X amount of time and then move on. I, th- that that is far and away off of my plate my focus is to read the text learn absorb for the information and if it takes me you know six months to get through then so be it I, that's fine that's fine I, I don't care about that but I want to study the information and so you know with the, with all that in mind with all of the the levels and and the the text that you've written what are so there's there's ways that I can read that and anybody can read that and see how we fit on that scale and how others fit on that scale. Then what for those people that haven't read it yet, but but what what do we do with that information? How do we interact with that? How can we apply that to our to our life to, to those instances that we're in?
1: Right. okay. Well, there are actually three data that answer this question. First of all, each of these scales provides the user with an infallible way of determining the salutariness or beneficialness of any group individual or activity. If the group individual or activity moves persons up these scales, it's beneficial or positive. If it moves them down, it's detrimental or negative. So I am giving you 35 yardsticks by which to precisely measure human phenomena. Next. More importantly, just finding your level or anybody's level on any scale is by itself enlightening and beneficial. Every time you correctly spot a level, whether it's your own or another's, you have an epiphany. Necessarily. That's one of the ways you know you found the right level. Right? You're looking at it and saying, Oh, I see, I'm at level four. Oh, that explains why I don't get along with Joe. Mm -hmm. So you have a realization. So you might say your insight just improved. You have more insight. Because the common denominator of, of this entire system is insight. It requires some insight in order to use it. But it also develops insight. Because every time you spot someone, you have an insight there's the light bulb goes on over your head. And because you are more insightful, this facilitates your usage of the book, your further usage of the book. So this is a snowball effect where the more you use the book, the more insightful you become. And that makes you more able to use the book, which makes you more insightful. And this just keeps going like this. And you have to realize that. There are general scales and specific scales. Most of the scales are specific scales. Now, what that means is it's context-driven. It has meaning in a context. For example, the scale of motivation. If I were to go out and stop some guy in the street and say, what's your wife's motivation toward you? He would look at me like a deer in the headlights. We'd say, well, how can I know that? There are thousands of motivations. I'd say, no, there are only seven. All these others are just subsets of these seven. And you see, since you're selecting from among only seven, it's not that hard to do. So I could show him the scale. And what would happen is in a matter of seconds, he would find a bracket. I'm talking about 15, 20 seconds. He'd say, well, I can see it's not six or seven. That that doesn't apply. Certainly not one or two. It's maybe two, three, or four. And then I would say, okay, well, why don't you go ahead and just read the chapter? And then you'll be able to get this exactly. And then I'll read the chapter, come back, and then I'll say, well, now that I read it, I can see her motivation toward me is level four. Now, he's going to have a realization. He's going to say, well, that explains why she does this, 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 and this. And the great thing about this is Whether it's a high level or a low level, he's going to be happy about that. Some people might think, well, if you find that you or another person is at a low level, then you'll be bummed out. That's not what happens because you're finding the truth. And when you find the truth, it opens a door for you. So this guy who finds out that his wife is at level four, that could mean several things. He might decide to just go home and divorce her as a result of that. Level four is money. He may say, Oh, now I understand. She, she loves me because I, I own a Maserati. I have a 60 foot yacht. I fly my own Learjet and I live in a $5 million condo. That's why she married me. He might get rid of her. Or he might say, Well, what do I care? That's okay. I got plenty of money. Here's $10,000 go shopping. You see? So it depends on the person. There's no one-size-fits-all. This book is the exact opposite of that. The precision in it enables you to find out exactly where you are, exactly where the other person is. Now, I mentioned earlier, three data in response to your question. The third data is this: Once you find the actual level of any person on any scale, you can improve that person. By moving him up one level, I have solved the gradient problem that has bedeviled mankind for 6,000 years. Most people have problems, situations, dilemmas, and they don't know how to fix them. And the reason for that is always because they don't know the gradient. I am giving you the gradients across 35 axes. Whatever level you're at, you've got to get that right. You then target yourself for the next level up. Ignore everything else, and you will get there if you try. Now, how long it takes, what you have to go through, what you're going to be like when you finish, that's all an unknown because I don't know the person. But that opens the way to continually improve yourself. In other words, you can push yourself up these scales. Now, the fact that each scale is unique is a benefit because that is why between them, they span the spectrum of human experience. If you allow me to read for you the names of the 35 scales, you'll see that I have covered human phenomena. Because by the time you see this list, you'll say, this covers everything. May I do that?
0: Absolutely. Go ahead.
1: These are the individual scales, meaning they apply primarily to individuals. The scale of basic purposes, the scale of personal influence, the scale of choice, the scale of permeation, the scale of thought, the scale of identity, the scale of evaluation, the scale of motivation, the scale of control, the scale of stopping, the scale of scholarship, the scale of literacy, the scale of human ability, the scale of memory, the scale of spiritual identity, the scale of mental deletion, the scale of aberration. The scale of physical fitness, the scale of justification, the scale of belief, the scale of equanimity, the scale of attack, the scale of conflict, and the scale of reaction. And these are the group scales, meaning they apply primarily to groups. The scale of relationship, the scale of life spheres, the scale of government, the scale of civilization, the scale of survival, the scale of management, the scale of exchange, the scale of communication, the scale of allegiance, the scale of sexuality, and the scale of politics. Any one of these scales by itself can dramatically change the life of the reader. And of course, it's going to change it in a better direction. He's going to spot where he is, and then he knows what's right ahead of him, where he's going to go to. If a guy came to me who was 100 pounds overweight, right, and this guy's been trying for 10 years to lose weight, getting nowhere, widespread problem in America now right? I've worked as a professional trainer. I wouldn't just say to this guy who on five miles a day, that's malpractice. I wouldn't just give him a 100-pound barbell and say, lift this. That's not good training. I would say to him, how would you feel about walking a mile every morning? And he would probably say, well, I, th- I think I could do that. Okay, good. So I want you to walk a mile every morning, and at the end of the week, we'll talk again. Right? So then I would say to him at the end of the week, How did you do? Now, if he says to me, This is tough, I'd say, All right, keep doing it. If he said to me, It was tough at first, but I've got this now, I'd say, Okay, let's try a mile and a half a day. Right? So I'm finding the gradient. And if the guy stayed with me, Gradually the weight would go away through all these different technologies that I would bring to bear. And again, it's all on a gradient. You know, I'm not going to take a guy who eats anything that fits in his mouth and turn him into a vegan. Okay? Can't do that. It's like you can't turn a couch potato into an Olympic athlete. There are too many intervening levels. There's five or six intervening levels that you have to go through to get there. Can it be done? Yes, it can be done. But you have to know the gradients. Now, every smart, competent coach, facilitator, teacher, therapist in the world understands that human development must occur on a gradient. So let's say you have a guy who's a competent algebra teacher. He knows how to take somebody... First of all, the guy has to know his arithmetic first, right, to get into the glass, right? So there's a baseline. So then he knows how to bring the person along and explain it so that by the end of the two semesters, the guy knows algebra. That is what this book does, but it's for your life. Now, several people have said to me, What book is your book like? And having gone to school for 28 years, And being a well-read person, I have to say in all candor, I don't think there's ever been a book like this before. But each of these scales is expressed in what you might call a table or a spreadsheet. And each of those is analogous to the periodic table of elements. But for the corresponding subject, these 35 subjects I just read to you. So, for example, the scale of basic purposes. If you look at the scale of basic purposes, there's a lot of data there. You just look at that table, right? You can't get it right away. You have to slowly study it like the periodic table, right? Periodic table makes perfect sense, but you have to study it. Now, before Dmitry Mendeleev invented the periodic table, there was chemistry, but he revolutionized it by making it easier to understand, easier to teach, easier to learn. And so now that that table is in every science book and in every science classroom in the world in whatever language they speak. That is what this book is like. So if you're having trouble in an area, you can analyze it by looking at the data against this periodic table. So, for example, in the periodic table of elements, well, potassium and sodium are over on one side. And so you can actually remove sodium from your system by taking potassium because it will replace it because of the chemical structure of it. And you can see that easily in the periodic table, see? So it goes from being just a bunch of data to something to help yourself. Oh, I want to lose some water weight, I'll take potassium. The sodium goes out of your body, and that's what causes you to retain water. You see? So it goes from an idea to a practical result. And that's why I look.
0: Yeah. So what I really like is. it is very clear that having this gradient, having this, these scales helps to set my intentions as I'm meeting with people or as I'm interacting with people. And it gives me kind of a, a level that I can clearly talk to them so that they can understand and, and I can meet them where they're at i i that that seems to be a really big takeaway uh, from the book. It gives me an opportunity to get to self access and tell me where I'm at. But when I'm meeting with other people or ina- interacting with them on any level, I can look at them and and get some sort of idea of where they are, what level they're at, and then I can meet them at that level and do my best to kind of move them if if I so please, to move them up. To the next level and being a, a martial arts instructor that's my that's my day job although it doesn't necessarily happen at day it's the evening time i really uh understand and like that that scale because it's really important to especially if you have somebody brand new on whatever it is to assess where they're at and then know what the next steps are to get them to the to the place that you would like them to be at, or they would like to be at, at the at the end but if i just come in and teach them you know the, the biggest, baddest thing that I could possibly do, that's going to overwhelm them. So it's very important to meet them where they're at and then do those small steps up the scale one at a time as you move. Now, with with the 35 different areas, I guess my question is, if I want to move up, or if I want to improve myself, do I try to focus? I, I, there's no way I can focus on all of them at once. Do I focus in on one? Do I find the most applicable to me that I want to focus in and move up, up on? Or do I try to span across them? What would be what would be your 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 assistance for that?
1: Well, the best way to use this book is to uh, take a specific situation, dilemma, conundrum, problem that you have, and then try to find the scale that you think is most relevant to that. Now, in some cases, this is perfectly obvious. I gave the example of a guy who's 100 pounds overweight. Well, he should look at the scale of physical fitness. Uh, Or if a person is having a relationship problem, he should look at the scale of relationships. Now, you have to realize, as I said before, most difficulties that people have will have more than one scale that will help them. Because you have to realize, because each scale is unique, you're coming at it from different angles. And I can give you uh, an example to show you exactly how that works. But before I do that, let me try to finish. So you find what you think is the right one, right? And then you say, okay, where am I on this scale? Now, at first blush, you'll find a bracket. You'll, you'll throw out, you'll say, well, I'm definitely not at one or two. That's way I don't even understand those are over my head. And, you know, I'm definitely not at seven. That's, so you've, you've gotten it down to like three, four, five, six, right? Okay, so then you read the chapter. And as you read the chapter, you'll say, OK, well, that one doesn't apply to me. Well, that one doesn't. apply." And you'll get to one that's, yeah, now this, this makes sense. And then you go back and look at it again and you'll find your level and then you will have a realization. And you'll say, no wonder I'm having trouble with Mary. I'm down here at level five. That's not so good. I need to fix this. See, and then you target yourself for level four. Now, there is a maxim in engineering, I'm sure it's more than a century old, that says that 90% of finding the right answer is asking the right question. This is obvious in the work of Einstein, right? We were working on Newton, Newton's principles. Einstein looked at this from another angle. What is gravity? Right. And he uh, asked questions that other people were not answering, asking. And so eventually, mathematically, he developed E equals MC squared. Well, once he saw E equals MC squared, which is a mathematical fact, that's said, rule. This is a different way of looking at this. See, and then he worked out what gravity really is. So. This happens in STEM subjects all the time, science, technology, engineering, mathematics. You, you asked the right question. Uh, for example, I had a client once. I was at a convention. A guy came up to me. You know, He said, would you please? I was a human development engineer. Would you please work with my wife? I said, well, let me talk to her. So I spoke to her. She was a bright woman. I worked with her. Changed her life. So I had a peer. Who had worked with her previously, who knew her also. And he said, You fixed this woman. What did you do? See? And I told him, I just used, you know, all the standard things. You know, I didn't do anything special or new. Uh, but I just apparently looked at it from a slightly different as I asked the right question. Now, in my human development practice, Basically, people want to know, well, what do you do? And what I'd explain to them is, basically, I use Socratic dialogue. Now, if you've read Plato, you know what that means. Uh, aided by biofeedback. And that is actually how I found septemics, which in and of itself is an interesting story, which I should tell you. Um... This story really starts when I was accepted into engineering school at age 16. And of course, I thought at that time that I was going to be engineering physical things like electrons or airfoils or motors or whatever. Uh, but by the time I had my bachelor's degree, it was clear to me I wanted to engineer the human psyche. Because that is the area of greatest unknown. There is the area of greatest mystery and difficulty. And more importantly, It is the area in which we are failing as a race, miserably. 95% of the problems in industrialized society are because people don't understand people, don't understand the spouse, don't understand the son, don't understand the boss, don't understand some guy who's running for office. Okay? This book solves that across 35 axes. It gets you to understand the person. Because it gets you to focus on something very specific. And you get to do it at least 35 times. And in the case of specific scales, a lot more than that, because i talked before about the scale of motivation, right? So think about this. You could say, what is my motivation toward my wife? What is my motivation toward my son? What is my motivation toward my grandmother? What is my motivation toward my next door? Right, you can do this a hundred times so or more, right? Any time you do, you have a realization. Oh yeah, I see. That explains what's going on between us. Then you can start all over again and say, what is my boss's motivation toward me? What is my secretary's motivation toward me? What is my cousin Joe's motivation toward me, see? So if you take that little vignette that I just gave you and blow it up a billion times in every direction, you get what this book is about. There's a virtually unlimited number of ways to use this. Now, in a general scale, it's not like that. Like the scale of basic purposes. Once you find your basic purpose, it is a life-changing moment. You say, Ah, oh, this is what I'm about. You throw out the other six levels. They don't relate to you. And then you know what you're doing in your life. Now, also you can target yourself up. To the next level. Now, that particular scale is very difficult to move on because it's a persistent trait. So this is the sort of thing where if you're in meditating or facilitation or therapy for 30, 40, 50 years, then you would say, oh, now I see, bing, you move up to the next level because it's a quantum leap. It's not gradual. But there are other scales where you move by the minute. By the minute, you can actually watch a person go up and down the scale. So these scales are very different from one another. So you have to study each one individually. Now, I mentioned earlier about giving you a a scenario to sort of try to get an overall view on how to use this. Let's say you have a pal who's having relationship problems. And this guy has been complaining to you about this for six months. Oh, I don't know what I'm going to do about Rosemarie. She's driving me nuts. Now, Now she's going out with another guy. Now she's coming back. You know, all this trauma, right? So you want to help this guy because he's your friend, right? So you say, Fred, come over here. Let me show you something. And you open up the book to the scale of relationships. And he looks at it. He looks at this table. And At first, he's going to say, You mean there's a scale of relationships? Yeah, there it is. This relationship that you've been complaining about for six months, where is it on this scale? He's going to want to know this because he's having a lot of trouble. So he's going to look at it in a matter of seconds, maybe 20 seconds. He's going to find a bracket. He's going to say, It's definitely not one, two, or three because we're having a lot of trouble. Right? And I don't think it's six or seven because We're not like that. So he's sort of gotten it down to four or five. See? So then you said, well, look, why don't you just read the chapter? And then you'll be able to understand this in depth and get it exact. He's going to want to do that because you're opening a door for him. So he reads it. He comes back and says, oh, I can see we're level five. When are we having trouble? He's going to have a very detailed realization. That explains why bopity bopity bop. Say, great. Now, let's move you from five up to four. Oh, can that be done? Yes, that's what this is for. You target yourself to number four. You see, if you're at level five, for example, and you try to go to one, two, or three, you will fail because it's too steep a gradient. It's the wrong thing to do. But if you're at level five and you target level four and you make a serious attempt, you will get there eventually. So then you say, hey, wait a minute, let me show you something else. You're open to the scale of sexuality. You mean there's a scale of sexuality? Yes. Where are you on the scale? Oh, right. And he's going to want to know. He's going to be interested. And right away, he's going to say, well, definitely not six or seven. That doesn't apply to me at all. And I don't even understand one or two. So it's got to be three, four, or five. Okay, let's have you read the text and spot this. So he reads it. You can help him as a tutor would. And then you say to him, you don't have to tell me if you don't want, but for your own illumination, which of these apply? Where are you on this scale? Right. And he will spot it. He will say, well, I can see that I'm at level four. And then he's going to say, no wonder I'm having trouble with Rosemary. He's at level five. And if you look at the scale, some of these are obvious conflicts. Now, you don't have to be at the same level, but you have to be at a compatible level on this scale, or the relationship is not going to work. And if you just look at the scale, you'll see that that's obvious in the scale. I mean, one levelist can have sex, and another levelist cannot have sex. I mean, that's pretty clear. Yeah. Okay. Okay. So, uh, you know, I would routinely have uh, clients come to me. And I would know month in advance that they were going to break up as a result of the work I did with them. This was not a catastrophe. This was an advantage to the person. So like someone comes who's in a bad marriage, right? And, you know, I could see it was a bad marriage. I didn't say that, but I could see, well, this guy's at this level. This one is at this level. This is never going to work. So the person works with me, and then goes home, gets a divorce, and is happy, happy, because she got out of this nutty relationship, see? So uh, then you can say to him, let's look at the scale of permeation. What's that? Well, permeation is the basic action of a spiritual being. When two people love one another, it's because... They are permeating one another that is what's happening permeation monitors love where there's no permeation there is no love right so when I look at some terrorist who kills innocent people I'm not permeating that guy right I, I don't want to be around that guy right there's there's no love there right mm-hmm. but when I look at my girlfriend there's permeation right so he can look at this and say oh permeation yeah and he can say, "Well, again, he'll find a bracket. I don't know exactly, but I'm definitely not at level one or two, you know And you know, it's one of the other. So he got it down to five, so you have him read it, and eventually he'll say, "Yeah, I can see that I'm at level four. That's okay, that's not too bad, and he'll have a realization." he'll say, "Well, no wonder I'm having trouble with Rosemary because she's at level six. She's not permeating me." And I'm at level four. So even though I'm permeating her, she's not permeating back. So you, I could keep doing this, right? I could take a half a dozen other scales. Because in a complex thing like a relationship like that, many scales apply. Right? So you could do the same thing. You could say, well, now let's look at the scale of allegiance. Because any time a relationship deteriorates, it's always... Because allegiance has deteriorated, right? The guy's going out with Rosemary. He cheats on her. He goes out with Betty Sue. That's a lessening of allegiance. He went down the scale. So you go through the same process again. Now, by the time you do four or five, six of these, this guy is straightened out. His mental clarity about this relationship is at a much higher level than it was before he came into the room. And he'll probably decide something, you know, who he might decide, well, she's the girl for me or I never want to see this woman again. Okay? So that's that's how you use this. And I'll give you another example. Let's say you have a couple that's talking about getting married, right? Then going out for some time. Right. Wouldn't it be smart for that guy to know why this woman wants to marry him? Absolutely. So he looks at the scale of motivation. He's been around her for a year. He knows what she does, right? She studies it. Now, maybe he'll see that she's at level one, right? Which is the highest motivation of all, which is love. You do it out of charity. You don't expect anything in return. The motivation is just that you love the person. Now, if he spots that, he says, wow, this is the girl for me. Let's get married, right? But maybe he sees that As I said before, she really wants to be with him because he drives a Maserati, he owns a yacht, he flies his own Learjet, right? And he's the CEO of a billion dollar corporation, right? And when they go out to dinner, he spends $300 a night. So maybe that's why she wants to marry. So we don't know how this guy thinks, what his values are, what's important to him. But when he finds the truth, he will have a realization. Let's say he's that she's at level four. Oh, now I understand why she did this and did this and did this and did this. And why, when I do that, she does that. Because she's at level four. And he might say, I don't want to marry a gold digger and break up with her. He's not going to be upset about it. Trust me. He's going to be happy. He's going to say, thank you, Chris. You saved me a lot of trouble by showing me this. Now, you might have another guy who thinks of it differently. You may have noticed there are many rich, older, unattractive men who married two beautiful young women. So you've got a 50-year-old guy. He's got $10 million in the bank. He's 50 pounds overweight. And he's got uh, Miss Maryland, who's married to him. Right? So, well, how does that work? I'll tell you how it works. The girl, well, the wife, gets a diamond ring, a pearl necklace, a minko, a Corvette, and a credit card. She's happy. The guy gets a 25-year-old wife, right? So for him, that's fine. He doesn't care if she's a gold digger. You know, oh, you want to go shopping? Okay, here's, here's five grand. Have a nice day. See? So for him, maybe that works. So. There's no judgment involved in this, and in furtherance of that datum, let me tell you this: I tell everyone never tell anyone the level of anyone on any scale, assuming the person is alive. The person is deceased. That's another thing. If you read my book, I talk about deceased persons to be illustrative. You know, like I talked about in the scale of basic purposes. Abraham Lincoln was a leader. Well, you know, the man's been dead for, what, 170 years or something? So that's fine. We can talk about him. But a living person, don't do it. It's counterproductive and it's unethical. It's much easier to just show the guy the book. Right? So you got this guy, Fred, who's having this relationship problem. Say, Fred, come here. Look at this. When he looks at that scale of relationships, he's going to say, Oh, yeah, I see. This is cool. This is like, I never thought about this before. See? And he reads the chapter, he'll get it. He'll see. Yeah, this works. This fits together. See? Because since it's natural phenomena, people get it. It's like the Fibonacci sequence. All these creatures that construct themselves according to Fibonacci numbers, they don't know anything about math. But they still do it generation after generation. People are like that. The whole world is walking around at some level on every scale. They just don't know it. So I, uh, and I'll tell you how, stumbled onto this. There is no theory of satemics. This was all done empirically. So I was telling you before about The problem that people have understanding people, which this book solves, right? Mm -hmm. So to make a long story short, I had a long career as a human development engineer, working one-on-one with hundreds of clients of every description for cumulatively many thousands of hours. Now, incidentally, as this was happening, of course, my clients all improved. But I started to notice that I could predict the outcome of the session. Remember, I told you I had clients came to me. I knew months ahead of time they were going to get a divorce because I knew some of these scales. Well, this guy's at this level. This woman is at this level. This isn't going to work. I would never tell that to anybody. I would just know that, you know, she calls me over six months, says, you know, uh, I divorced Jack. Oh, really? Okay. Well, good for you. So I knew that, you see. So this, in the session, it only made me better at what I did. Because as the decades rolled by, I started to realize that the client was at a specific level, on a specific scale, that I had previously observed. Because although I told nobody, I made notes. So. As these notes collected, after a while, they developed into scales, all these scales. So by 1995, I had about 32 scales of varying lengths. So I had one scale particularly that was a sixth level scale that by then I absolutely knew was correct. Because I had been using it all the time. Well, one day I was pondering a particularly difficult client. And I realized, wait a minute. This client is at a level that's not on the scale. There's a seventh level here. So it was obvious to me when I saw what the level was, where to insert it. So I just inserted it into the scale. And at that moment, the scale manifested mathematically. Meaning all these data jumped out at me. Oh, well, this means this and this means this and therefore that. And it went from being a line, which is what a scale is, to a plane, which is why these are expressed in a table or a spreadsheet, like the periodic table, because it's a whole body of data. So I said, whoa, I don't know what this is, but I found something here. Because whatever this is, it has to be natural law, because it's got mathematics embedded in it. Now, you have to realize I took 26 semesters of math and loved every minute of it. So I have a very mathematical mind. So I sort of went through life to see mathematics in front of me all the time. You know, like I'm watching a car go by and I'm calculating, you know, acceleration, velocity, you know, how fast I can stop. That's how my mind works. I mean, that's how engineers mostly are. So when I saw that, I realized I found something. Then I said, wait a minute. I wonder how many of these other scales that I have that are of varying lengths are actually seven-level scales that hadn't been developed all the way because I wasn't developing anything. I was just helping my clients and making notes. So then, I, knowing what I was looking for, I studied these various scales. And in a short period of time, each of them went to seven levels. On when it did, it manifested mathematically. All of these data jumped out at me and it went from being a line to a plane. And that happened on all 32 of them. So then I said, wait a minute. This looks like a new subject to me. So then I said, my next thought was, you know, I could go from helping people by the hundreds which is what I had been doing as human development engineer, to helping people by the millions. If I put this in a book and get it out so people can use it on their own. So I said, well, I'm going to have to write a book. So the first draft was completed in December of 95. And I sent it in transcript form to colleagues of mine, all of whom had graduate degrees in a variety of subjects. And they all responded very positively. Now, they all had different responses. The responses were very positive. And the, the quality and the nature of their responses told me, this is exactly what I think it is. A new subject based on natural law that can really help people. So I spent the next 25 years of my life writing this book. Here's you have to realize. First, I had to discover this, the phenomena which, as I said, was largely done by 95, although I did find three more skills as I was writing the book. Then, how to use this data to craft a workable philosophic system. Because you have to understand, as an engineer, I'm only interested in facts and results. The bridge must stand over the river, okay? Excuses are not wanted or offered in engineering, okay? You have to get it right the first time. So that is why there is precision involved in it. Opinion and belief are irrelevant to engineering. If somebody said to me, Jim, I want you to build a bridge over the stream. Uh, it's about 35 feet wide, I would ignore that 35 foot data completely. I would get out my laser beam, throw it across. Oh, okay, it's 33.2 feet. That's the data that I would work from. This 35 foot. Estimate is not bad for an estimate, but it's irrelevant. So it took 20 years to craft this into a reliable, foolproof, philosophic system. Because you have to understand, there's 35 scales, each of which has seven levels. That's 245 different levels, each of which had to be ascertained, verified, and expressed in a way that would make sense to the reader. Furthermore, simply having 35 scales is not that helpful. You need to have all of the corresponding data. So for example, these 35 scales correspond to 35 axes of information. What is the axis? In other words, what is this scale measuring? So you get out a yardstick, it's marked in inches, right? It's measuring inches. So each of these scales is sort of a conceptual yardstick for the corresponding area. So I had to know, what exactly are we measuring here? And that was not obvious in many cases. In many cases, it took me decades to get to what this was really measuring. For example, the scale of basic purposes That was not called the scale of basic purposes until many years later, until I finally realized we are measuring basic purposes here. There are seven basic purposes, and that's what the scale is about. But that took many years to figure it out, to reverse engineer it out of the data that I had. And so that's what I was doing with all this, reverse engineering. Okay, so we have this data. And what can we conclude from that data? And then I would try these different things. And then I would, of course, run experiments and see does this work or doesn't it. So after I had the philosophical framework here of a, of a foolproof system, then the problem was, how do I express this in a way that makes sense to the average reader? And that was time-consuming. I had to continually rewrite the book because I'd get feedback. And so then I would write it in a way that would make it more comprehensible, easier to understand. For example, I talked about, uh, and you referred to the glossaries. Well, originally there were no glossaries. Most people don't put glossaries in front of every chapter in any kind of a book. But then I realized, well, you know, if I want people to get this, I have to help them. I have to tell them, in particular, the definition of the name of the scale. In other words, if it's a scale of equanimity, you, I define equanimity. So before you get to the scale, you've just read what equanimity means. There's a lot of people who don't know what that means. But that is what the scale is. It took me years to figure out that this was a scale of equanimity. I thought it was something else. So that's what the research was about. And then writing it in a way that people would get. And I know I succeeded at that because I've been watching people respond to this for almost 28 years now. They have the same response you do. They get it. They say, oh, yeah, I see. This is cool. And you don't have to be a college graduate to get this. I went out of my way to make it easier than that. and. Also, although mathematics is embedded in each of these scales, I went out of my way to not make it mathematical to avoid that. Now, there are a few scales in which it's so obviously mathematical that I had to explain something, explain a little bit of mathematics. But I've been tutoring mathematics since I was 18. So explaining mathematics to people who don't understand it yet is easy for me. I know how to do that. So I explain whatever it is, you know. Let me first explain this, about, you know. Like I could talk about imaginary numbers. What is an imaginary number? You know, and I explain it. And then I put it into the context of the scale, you see, because once you know that concept, then the scale makes sense. How it's constructed. So, the, the actual response people have in reading this book is, it's like putting on your glasses and looking in the mirror. Right? Now, you and I both wear glasses. If I want to get a good shave, I have to put on my glasses. Right? Yeah. If I don't put on my glasses, I'm gonna, I can't see that well. Because I'm going to miss some things. Right? That is what this book is like. Each of these 35 scales is a lens that you can hold up to either the mirror to see yourself or to whoever you are evaluating with this information. So you see it clearly. So that's what you get from this. You get clarity. So the more you use this, the clearer your mind gets you see, oh, okay, now I see this. And as an example, I know the basic purpose of every president of the United States going back as far as Franklin Delano Roosevelt and many of the presidents prior to Roosevelt who I studied, such as Lincoln and Washington and Jefferson. Now, the reason that it's easy for me to see going back to Roosevelt is because we have video. We have audio. We have their speeches. These people are easy to evaluate. You watch the guy. Honest to God. People tell you their levels. It comes right out of their mouths. They tell you. So like you say to a guy, have you decided who you're going to vote for in this election? He says, you mean there's an election going on? That tells you something. See? The scale of choice. we talking about choice here, right? That tells you this guy is way near the bottom of the scale of choice. He doesn't even know there's an election. Okay? So this 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 is a clue right there as to where he is on that scale. So for me, it's virtually impossible to not use these scales. So I meet a person either in three dimensions or online and I can just spot this guy's at this level at this level and this level and this level. And that's extremely beneficial to me in two ways. I've I've met some people online who are like, whoa, this guy's at the bottom of a bunch of scales. Thank you. Have a good day. Goodbye. We're done. I don't argue with them. I just move on. See? I know that person is going to be a detriment to me, because I already know with specificity what this guy is going to do. He's at this level. This is engineering, or like for example, uh, I met a person some years ago. I said, "Oh, this is a very upscale person," you know, and I analyze this person, and I can see right away this is somebody I want in my life. This person is going to be an asset to me, and we have maintained this connection. And it has worked out exactly the way I thought. This is very easy for me to work with this person. You know, we can go back and forth, you know, uh, and interact in a very mutually beneficial way. So it works both ways. It tells you who you want to be around and who you don't want to be around.
0: Now, uh, question, uh, and I think I know the answer, but but I'm, I'm curious. If somebody is in, in in school, most of the time, the high performers of kids who get the, the people who get the high grades more often than not are excelling in most areas. And they're not necessarily, like if they're excelling, excelling, they're excelling, not just in math, but in math and science. And generally that is the, that's the case. And so I guess my question is with the scales, if somebody is, let's say a level three across two or three of them, is it pretty safe to say that they're level three across many or all of them? Or if they're level no. seven, they're level seven across all? No, it's different. Okay.
1: No, but I can give you several data that are relevant to this question. First of all, realize I went to school for 28 years. Uh, I know for a fact that there are people who are good in some subjects and good in other subjects. This was a major theme of my life. I had a friend who anything regarding math or science, he was like a genius. He went on to become a physicist, which is exactly the right thing for him. This guy struggled with English, with Latin, with history. you know, I would have to help him with those things. And you could see he was having a hard time. Physics, 99. See? So that's one. And I had another buddy very close friend of mine, anything we got into humanities, he was a whiz. English, Latin, you know, he just ate it up. Classical literature, but he really had a hard time with math and science. So needless to say, these two guys didn't get along with one another. Sure. And one of the things I learned in my teens was that I had to have groups of friends. I was like the guy you described who excelled in all of these things. So I had one group of friends with whom I would attend math and science lectures. I would have another group of friends with whom I would attend plays and poetry readings. Mm -hmm. I had another group of friends with whom I would play sports and so forth. And I knew that these people couldn't stand one another and they wouldn't mix any better and oil and water, so I kept them separate. So for example, I was in the math club. I was the only guy on the football team who was in the math club. I'm sure these other guys who were like brainy guys with glasses, I didn't wear glasses, but brainy guys with glasses said, what's this guy from the football team doing in here, you know, how'd he get in here, you know? But I loved it and I developed a rapport with the moderator of that club. We became very good friends because you could see that I really loved math and absorbed it, you know? And teachers like that. So that's how people are. Most people are high on some scales and low on other scales. That is the norm. Uh, and I'll give you a famous example. Almost everybody who's been paying attention in the last 30 years in the Western world knows that Bill Clinton is a very smart man. He was a Rhodes Scholar, right? He left office with a high approval rating. He was the last president ever to sign a balanced budget. Okay. So even his opponents all agreed he was a shrewd politician. He knew what he was talking about. He was a formidable opponent. I mean, he got to be very good friends with the Bushes. He succeeded one Bush and then was succeeded by another Bush. And he's friends with them. You know why? I heard them say this. They can see what a capable person he is. They understood politics, these people. They understood it well. They, They knew the lay of the land, what to do. Clinton was smart enough to bring in Dick Morris. As his personal advisor, because it wasn't going so well early in his first term. And Mars said, look, do this, 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 and this. And Clinton was smart enough to listen to him. And the rest is history. He was reelected. So it's also public knowledge that the man is a serial abuser of women. Now, if you want to put this into a September context, on the scale of human ability, he's very high. I'm not giving any levels. He's very high, okay? You don't need me to tell you what level you can figure it out yourself. On the scale of sexuality, he's way near the bottom. There are all these women who sued him, who went on video and said he raped them. You don't have to take my word. This is public information. Everybody knows this. His own wife knows, it. okay? so. This is the perfect example of a guy who's high on one scale and low on another scale. I mean, really, he was impeached because of his philandering. Because when they sued him, he lied on the stand and he's in perjury, right? He shouldn't have done that. That was not smart. He should have just said, OK, here's a half a million dollars, go away. Because they got the judgment anyway. And he wound up being disbarred because he broke the law. Now he didn't get removed from office because the Senate usually has the view. Well, the people elected this guy, so when you know he hasn't murdered anybody, he hasn't given away atomic secrets to the Chinese. We're not going to kick him out of office. So that's usually how that's how all the impeachments have gone in American history. Nobody has actually been removed from office because they figure, well, okay, he's a bad boy, but. He was elected. Okay. But still, all of that came from his being low on this one scale. So, if I had the opportunity to speak to Bill Clinton, I would love to speak to Bill Clinton. Especially on the subject of political science, which is one of my areas of expertise. I would love to say, you know, what do you think about this election? you think Biden is going to actually run? You think, ah These indictments are going to prevent Trump from being elected. I would want to discuss and see what he has to say, because he's smart in that area. But if I had a sister or a daughter, I would say to them, don't go out with this guy. It's not that I don't respect him. I do. When I get a chance to listen to him speak, I listen. But he's not talking about his girlfriends. He's talking about his area of expertise which is what he should be talking about. I mean, I think a lot of people make fools of themselves because they try to opine in areas in which they're not experts. You see this all the time. You know, like some actor, you know, a guy's a great actor and he comes out with all this political stuff. You know, this guy has no qualifications in politics. He has no degree in political science. He's never been elected to office. Why should I listen to him? I would rather listen to someone who actually knows that area. Like, for example, whether or not you agree with him, William F. Buckley was a very smart man. He was a very cogent writer. So even if you disagree with him, it's worth listening to what he has to say. Similarly with Noam Chomsky. Noam Chomsky is a bright man. He knows a lot. I don't have to agree with him to listen to him, you see. They have. There was actually a TV show where Noam Chomsky went on Bill Buckley's show, Firing Line, and they talked for an hour. It was very civil. It was very respectful. They disagree about everything. But still, I enjoyed that because I'm listening to two smart men. And that is what this is about for me. This is for people who are smart enough to want to improve themselves. And smart enough to use some really reliable information to advantage. This is a tool, it's a conceptual tool. So, you know, you have a nail sticking out, right? And you catch yourself on it. Well, if you're smart, you get a hammer and bang it in. You're not gonna catch yourself on it after that. That's what this is like. You use this book. And I already know that anybody who business this book, is necessarily going to have an impact on society because he's not going to keep it himself. And I'll tell you what I mean. Most people have kids, and most kids have trouble in school. And if you read my book, I tell you with specificity why that happens. So the dad sees that Junior is having trouble in school, right? He wants to have him because he's his son. He says, Junior, come here, let me show you this. He shows him the scale of scholarship. The kid knows he's a scholar, and he knows he's having trouble in school. So he's going to be interested. He says, take a look at this. Where are you on this scale? In 15, 20, 25 seconds, he's going to find a bracket. He's going to say, definitely not one, two, or three, because I'm having a lot of trouble. And definitely not seven. That that just doesn't apply to me at all. So it's it's maybe uh, four, five, six. Okay, so read the chapter. And see if you can spot it. And the dad helps him. And then the kid comes back and looks at it and says, Well, I can see him at level five. No wonder I'm having trouble. That explains why Bob's has a realization. And then the dad says, Let's move you to level four, which is very specific. And the kid says, Can I move up? Yes. I'll help you. And the kid will move up to level four. And instead of getting C's and D's, He's getting B's and C's. And then once he's at four, you can move him up to level three. And then he's getting A's and B's. So at some point, this kid is going to say, what is this book? Where did you get this? See? And the dad was going to say, well, here, read it. Because he already knows this book. Right? And he's going to have the same reaction everybody else has. He's going to get to, like, the scale of basic purposes first one in the book, and he says, oh yeah, this makes sense. You know, let me read the next chapter. Oh yeah, this is cool. I can see how this works. And he becomes a septemesis. So when his girlfriend has trouble with her father, he's going to say, Eddie, Lou, come over here. Let me show you something. Where are you on the scale? You see, where's your dad on this scale? He's going to help her. And if he does what his dad does, the girl will have to realize, well, I can see his motivation is this, this, and this. That's terrible. Okay? So then she understands him better because she knows what his motivation is. Right? That's a big eye-opener when you know what somebody's motivation is. Whether it's high or low. If it's low, you're forewarned. If it's high, you take advantage of it. Right? Right? And then at some point, she's probably going to say, where is this? What is this book? Where did you get this? I never heard of this. Show. Well, here it is. Take the book. Read it. He's got his own cup. And she reads it. Oh, I see. This makes sense. No wonder I can't get along with Mary Lou. She's at this level and I'm at this level. That explains Now she's actually going to be able to get along with Mary Lou because she understands her. I get along very well with all kinds of people. Uh, For example, I have three sisters. One of them is a liberal, and two of them are conservatives. I get along great with all of them, Okay, because I understand, I know, I see where they're at, okay? I just don't make it an issue, okay? so, And I just apply that for everything, because part of the philosophy that I developed as I was working with people for 40 years as a human development engineer is, Some people are birds, some people are rabbits, some people are fish. If a guy's a fish, let him swim. Don't ask him to run. You're setting him up for a failure. He can't run. If a guy's a bird, let him fly. He doesn't walk. If a guy's a rabbit, let him run. He's not going to swim well. That's how people are. So that's why some people are good at one thing, not good at another thing. So my whole philosophy of people has always been. Find the good in the person and work with that. And every one of these scales facilitates that. For example, there's a scale of literacy. I can talk to somebody for 10 minutes and know where he is on the scale of literacy. Because he's talking. He's using words. So then I know at what level to communicate with him, which is something you referred to earlier. So if I'm talking to Dr. Jordan Peterson, I'm gonna talk to him at a certain level, right? He's not gonna have any trouble understanding anything I say. But if I'm talking to, let's say, my housekeeper, I can't do that, right? This is a person who's at a much lower level on the scale of literacy. So I'm not gonna say colossal or enormous, I'm gonna say big. So the person understands And I find myself editing my writings and my speech to the person. You know, like I have a couple of lawyers working for me. So when I talk to the lawyer, I know his language. I speak to him right at his level. Okay, well, do, well, are we filing a reply, a response to this motion in limine? He says, yes, I'm working on it. it. Now, I can't talk to other people like that because they don't know law. They say motion and what? And then I would have to explain it to them. Uh, So, this book saves a lot of trouble. Now, I have to tell you, full disclosure, when I was a young man, this data did not exist. I hadn't figured it out yet. So, I made the same stupid mistakes that everybody else made. I got involved with people that I shouldn't have been involved with. And this happens to pretty much everybody because they don't know the data in this book. Now, in retrospect, I look at those people, I can see where those people are on certain scales. It was right in front of me. I just didn't know the scale back then, right? Like when I was 19, you know, so now mistakes like that for me cannot happen, will not happen, do not happen. Period. Because if there's any possibility that I'm going to have any involvement with somebody, I analyze the person just like that. So, for example, I told you I have a couple of lawyers working for me. Okay. I know exactly who they are, what they're about, how to deal with them. Okay. And so it goes fine. There are other lawyers I've dealt with. I can see this guy's a downscaled person. Get rid of him. So, this happens online too. I meet some people online. I say, oh, this guy's, you know, he's, he's at the bottom of the scale. I'm not going to mess with this guy. So, this is how people get in trouble. So, let's say, right, you have a court case, and it turns out that the judge is very low on some of these scales. Oh, are you in trouble? So, then, even so, if you understand it, you know how to deal with this judge. You know, you know what? Let's not even go there. You, you, you can draft you can your case. You want to present incontrovertible data that's supported by objective evidence. There's nothing he can do about that. If, if you have something that's a little iffy, don't even go there. He's not going to help you. You know, I once had an experience, I was in court, in proper, going against an attorney. And uh, he had filed a motion. Uh, and so the other attorney is talking to the judge, right? And he said something that was patently false. So I objected, which is, what do you have to do? I said, objection, and I gave the reason. And the judge turned to me and said, I don't need help from you. So said, okay. I just shut up. I didn't say another word. Right, He just took this lawyer apart, denied his motion. That was it. I didn't. Say it. All I said was, thank you, your Honor," and I went home. You see so you you have to be able to spot you know there are people who would keep making objections. I just let the guy say things were wrong and false. I could see this 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 judge already had it in for this guy. He wasn't buying this motion at all. He could see it the same way I saw it. it was a lot of junk, okay, I'm being, and so that's what this book is about, you have to assess the person, you don't say anything, you don't tell them, if you want to help them, give them the book and say, you know, you really should look at the scale, and most of the time they will, because it's relevant,
0: Very, very helpful. You know, shifting gears just a little bit because I'm, I'm very fascinated with the with your your polymathic journey. Um, for those that do, that don't know what that means, give me give me a, just our listeners a, a brief explanation of what it means to be a polymath.
1: Well, a polymath is a person who's learned in several diverse subjects. Uh, historical examples of famous polymaths include uh, Thomas Jefferson. And uh, Erasmus, he's probably the most notable. Uh, uh, I have no memory of any time in this life when I was not intensely interested in learning everything that's taught in every university. I was just born that way. I was that three-year-old kid saying, how does this work? You know? Why does that work like that? You know, I always wanted to know. Uh, And so I started school when I was three and I've been involved in education ever since to this very day on one side or the other. And actually, I find that working as a tutor or even as a facilitator was very educational for me because students put you on the spot. Somebody says to me, well, How does the theory of relativity work? Explain this to me. Okay, that's a challenge. Now, in order for me to do it, I have to understand it perfectly. Okay? And so that's sort of what continually forced me to learn more and more and more and more and more. But also I had this innate desire to want to learn. Uh, And it's still there. Do you want me to list my areas of expertise?
0: Yeah, I, I've heard them, but, but by all means, for the, for the guests, let's do it. <laughs> okay, get... okay.
1: okay, well, my areas of expertise include psychology, philosophy, theology, parapsychology, science, engineering, mathematics, uh, law, literature, history, uh, metaphysics, military science, political science, physical culture, education, organization, and music. And I hold a Bachelor of Science cum laude from City University of New York. Now the reason I don't have a graduate degree is the entire education system, especially the graduate section, is tailored toward specialization. So when you go for, for example, a master's in physics, you're learning physics, period. That is not what motivated me. I always wanted to bleed over into these other subjects. I was always like, like, okay, so Newton is the father of physics. He was a very interesting man. So he had a lot of traits that would surprise people. I mean, he was uh, a devout Catholic, he was involved in alchemy. So this is a very interesting person. I mean, he invented the three laws of motion when he was about 25, and calculus. He invented so that you could use those three laws to calculate things at twenty five. So this is obviously a genius. So then I go over and I'm going to read his biography. Well, that's you're not studying physics anymore. Are you? And that happened to me with everything. So I'd study history, learn about Abe Lincoln. Wow, this guy accomplished a lot. And I'm off to read his biography. I've read a lot of biographies because when I see somebody who has that level of skill. It's really interesting to me, like Alexander Hamilton. He was just, he was so smart that it just dripped off him. Washington kept Hamilton at his elbow through the entire Revolutionary War. Hamilton was a colonel at 22. That's how smart he was. And he wanted to fight. He kept saying, give me a command. Washington said no. I need you. So Hamilton was so smart. He was running a business when he was 13. The people in his town took up a collection to send him to college because he was so smart. Think about that. How how often does that happen? Just the neighbors all got together. Here's money. Go to, to America and get an education. So, you know, when I see that, I've read several autobiographies uh, of this man. So it's very interesting to me. So, see, turns out Hamilton is a leader on the scale of basic purposes. That's level two. That's a very high level. Also, Lincoln was. But I didn't know that when I was a kid reading these biographies. But I could see there was something there. So, I find in general, the world is not at all confusing to me. In fact, I'm rarely surprised by anything now. So I turn on the news, and like 95% of what the person says, say, yeah, okay, it's what I expected, you know. And uh, when people come to me with questions, what about this? What about? It's, like, it's like I anticipated the question because... In order to have a problem, you must lack knowledge. If you have enough knowledge, you cannot have a problem. You may have a situation, but that's not a problem. A problem is like you're being audited by the IRS, right? You're losing sleep. You're worrying. What am I going to do? You know, uh, I have to get a lawyer. You know, you're, That's worry, right? I'm not a worrier. I rarely get upset. I rarely worry about anything. I almost never get angry because I understand things. So uh, you see a lot of people in political areas now who are frothing at the mouth. You know, you have about 30% of the people who want to kill Biden. And another 30% of the people who want to kill Trump. Okay? And I don't want to kill anybody. I understand both of these men very well, better than you might suspect, because they tell you the levels. So I just see these phenomena. Let me put it to you this way. As a human development engineer, I understand humans the way an aeronautical engineer understands airplanes, the way an automotive engineer understands automobiles. So, if you talk to a, to an automotive engineer, this guy kind of knows everything there is to know about the general function and method of automobiles. Okay, so he's not going to be surprised by anything you tell him. Oh, you need a solenoid. Oh, okay, one? You know, he, he's not going to say what's that. So, you know, if he goes to buy a car, they're not going to pull any wool over his eyes. He knows how cars work, how they're built, what makes them work, what makes them good. He wants to know, what is the cubic uh, footage of this motor? He doesn't want to know about the seat covers. You know, there's a lot of women. You say, what kind of a car do you have? They stay blue. (laughs) Well, okay, I understand you bought a new car. woman just spent $35,000. Well, you know, what size engine is it? I don't know. See? So, sort of, I have an engineering view of people. And I've sort of, through this book, I've analyzed them to an engineering level of specificity. And I absolutely know that these scales are correct. Now, you could quibble with the verbiage that I used in expressing them. Because writing is an art. So I had to spend a lot of time trying to find the exact right word. For example, in the scale of basic purposes, I give the seven basic purposes that correspond to the seven levels. So what is the basic purpose of a leader? I use the word conquer. That works for me. Now, some people might say, well, conquer, conquer, that's not a good thing. Well, that's the question of whose ox is being gored. I mean, when the Allies conquered the Axis powers, that was a good thing for almost everybody. It was even good for the people of Germany and Japan and Italy. They did very well after we got those crazy people out of their government. Right? Look at how they blossomed, how Japan and Germany became prosperous nations, advanced nations. So that was because we conquered. Or another example is Abe Lincoln conquering the Confederacy. Lincoln was a leader. He he intended to conquer the Confederacy. He had very little help. And he was really not getting anywhere until he found an obscure general named Grant. And his buddy Sherman, and those two men won the war because they were willing to fight. McClellan just dithered for years. He kept saying, "Oh, I need another ten thousand wagons. I need another five hundred rounds of ammunition." You know. So finally, Lincoln got rid of him, and eventually, he found Grant, somebody who would actually fight, and you know somebody once complained to Lincoln uh, that uh, Grant was drunk. Uh, everyone knows Grant was a drinker. And Lincoln said, well, was he drinking? And the guy said, why, why would that matter? And he said, because I want to buy a case of it and give it to each of my other generals." And if you know Lincoln, that's exactly the type of person he was. You know, he's a very witty guy. But um, the data in this book is vital for every human being and can help you to achieve your goals faster and easier by explaining what might otherwise seem to be inexplicable or random. If someone were to invite you to a rendezvous, You would certainly expect them to tell you the time, the date, the location, and perhaps also how to get there. Needless to say, it's very difficult to get somewhere if, A, you don't know where you are, B, you don't know where you're going, and C, you don't know how to get to your destination. Now, this sounds idiotic, but most people do this regularly. In fact, there are millions of people who do this continuously. There are people who just go in circles. They never get anywhere. They never figure anything out. You know, the guy's just, oh, it's Friday, I'm going to get drunk. You know, that's it, that's his life. So, uh, since every person is at some level on every scale, you should figure it out, take advantage of it. Because every time you spot a level correctly, you have a realization, this means you're a little bit smarter. And then when you go to the next scale, you you bring more insight to it. So this gets easier and easier and easier to use. You know, when I started out in math, I was just a a smart kid who liked math and did did well in it. But by the time I finished prep school, I was a mathematician. That's a different thing. I thought in math was like this ballet that went on in my mind. This beautiful thing. Uh, and that is how septemics can work for you, where you start out just looking at a scale. Okay, well, how can I use this scale to help my relationship with my wife? You no, know, sort of, and you do, and as you go forward, it gets clearer and clearer and clearer and clearer. And your mind gets clearer. And so you see things with clarity, because you are insightful. Now, when a person is at the top, at or near the top of any scale, it's because he's insightful in that area. Like Bill Clinton in politics. He's clearly insightful in that area. As opposed to the scale of sexuality, he's not insightful in that area. Right? So, When a person is at or near the bottom of the scale, it's because he's not insightful in that area. So, what that means is the people at or near the bottom of the scale are not going to use this book. Take somebody like John Gotti, who was the head of the Gambino crime family, who died in prison. Now, the FBI made thousands of hours of tapes of him. They had him under surveillance, so we know exactly what he said to everybody. Over vast amounts of time, he was an ignorant thug. He was a crude, vulgar, violent, ignorant thug. Okay? that's You don't have to take my word for him. Listen to the prosecutors. Listen to the FBI people who investigate They all found the same thing. The, the man who started the Gambino crime, family, Carl Gambino, was nothing like that. He was shrewd. He was an intelligent person. I'm not condoning what he did. I'm just saying he was not a dopey guy. They never got anything on him. He died in his own home of heart disease. He had a heart problem. I think he was 76 in his own beautiful home. Had a wonderful uh, funeral, you know, at the local church. He lived in my neighborhood, he lived in a middle class house. He was smart enough not to live in a palace and drive a Cadillac. You see, he knew how to stay out of trouble, how not to make any waves. He is the character upon whom the Godfather was based, was Carlo Gambino. And if you talk to mafia people, and there's, they're online now, you know there's mafia people online. You can listen to, and they'll tell you he was the greatest Don of all. He never. He had the biggest family, the most successful family, and they never got anything on him. They couldn't. So he was higher on the scale of basic purposes, for example. So that's a different type of person. So you want to know where you are which is finding your level, where you're headed for, which is the next level up. Now, remember what I said, 90% of of finding the right answer is asking the right question. So once you know what level you're at, it's not that hard to get to the next level up. Now, how much work it takes, how long it takes, what you particularly have to do is a wild variable because every person is unique. In every situation you need. But it's a doable thing. The problem with most people is they don't know the gradient. Once you find your level, you have the gradient. You know the next thing up. Like I talked about, a guy who's 100 pounds overweight comes to me for training. I know what the gradient is for this guy. Let's get him to walk one mile. Okay. And at some point he says, you know, I can do this pretty easily now. And then it's okay. Let's try a mile and a half. And then, and when he says, you know, this is USA, look, let's try two miles. So you come back five years later, and this guy's 100 pounds less. The reason why crash diets and crash exercise programs do not work is they are not according to gradient. So I made a whole career of this, picking up the guy at the level he's at and moving him to the next level up. And I gave you the example of a client that I had who another guy had worked on. And he said, what did you do? You know, I didn't do anything unusual. I just paid attention to what she said. I found the right gradient using biofeedback. And I moved her up. And then I did the next one. And then I did the next one. And then I, and I just kept doing that. And she got better and better and better. And by the way, this person came to me terminally ill. And the, and the illness went away. Wow. Okay. She went to the doctors. They took x rays. They said, There's nothing there. Wow. So I just smiled like the cat who had just eaten the canary. Okay. So I just used all the standard things that I knew in the standard way that I knew. Because by the time she came to me, I'd been doing this a long time. And you really knew what I was doing. And this other guy, who's supposedly uh, highly regarded in this area, he couldn't do anything with her. So it's just finding the right gradient. So it's about perception, because insight comes from perception. And I'll tell you an axiom from this subject that reveals a lot. Being high at or near the top of any scale is both a cause and an effect of being at or near the top of any other scale. Hmm. And being at or near the bottom of any scale is both a cause and an effect of being at or near the bottom of any other scale. And now this goes to what you were saying earlier about a guy who's good at everything. So I have to tell you, demographically, The number of people who are at or near the top of every scale is like less than 1%. The number of people who are at or near the bottom of every scale is a lot more than that. It's maybe 4%. Sure. So those are the people who are psychopaths, sociopaths, in prison, in in insane asylum, homeless people, terrorists, torturers. Okay, they're at the bottom of these scales. Well, most of us are good at some things and not good at other things. And I'll tell you a story that illuminates this perfectly. I have a friend who's a doctor, an actual practicing doctor, successful person. And I had read a novel, a very famous novel that millions of people had read. I loved it. So when I finished it, just socially, I said, hey, read this book. It's really good. I said, okay. So a week or two later, I saw this person again, and I said, how'd you like the book? She handed it back to me, and she said, and I quote, I can't read this book. Now, you would think that a practicing doctor, a successful practicing doctor, would be able to read English well enough to read a popular novel that millions of people have read. It's not true. You know why? Is low on the scale of literacy. Mm -hmm. And I have to tell you, I know for a fact, there are millions of people with graduate degrees who are nevertheless low on the scale of literacy. Let's say you have a guy who has a doctorate in math, right? He knows all about math. You try to talk to him about Thomas Mann or uh, Fyodor Dostoevsky, you know, number one, he never read them. Number two, he's not interested. Number three, if he did, he, he didn't get it, you know, because he's not literate. So that is a specific trait. And I know for a fact, because I have friends like this, I have lots of friends with graduate degrees, right? Many of them are not what I would call literate. Now, most people think, well, either you're literate, or you're illiterate. No, that's binary. There are seven levels of literacy. What I call literate is level four. Okay, so there are three levels below that. The lowest one I call illiterate. But in between illiterate and literate, there's subliterate and semi-literate. And you can see this in people. You know, uh, you talk to somebody who's, let's say, uh, uh, he's an IT, right, a guy who, writes computer programs, codes, right? So he's got a, he got a degree, maybe a, a graduate degree. He doesn't know the difference between a gerund and a participle. You know, he doesn't know what the subjunctive mood is. And you listen to him speak and you can hear, it. this guy's semi-literate. So does he know computers? Yes. Make me an app. Okay. Course 25 grand, I'll have it six months. But you ask that guy to do a book review on Huckleberry Finn, good luck. You're gonna get gobbledygook. So this is very common. That is why I don't have a graduate degree. Because I considered many different graduate degrees. I mean. When I was still in college, I was thinking of going to law school. Well, I eventually became learned in law to a point where I can go into court and defeat lawyers. And they come out scratching their heads saying, what just happened to me? (laughs) This guy's not even a lawyer. And it's because I learned law the way Abe Lincoln learned law. You know, Abe Lincoln had at most 12 months of school in his whole life. So he learned law by reading law and he became probably the best lawyer in the state of Illinois and eventually president of the United States. Well, if you read the Gettysburg Address or the second inaugural address, they're utterly brilliant. He wrote them himself in and out of speechwriters. We have the original piece of paper where he scribbled out the Gettysburg Address by hand. Okay? It's awesome. So we're talking about a guy whose father made fun of him because he read books. Say, what are you wasting your time on books for? Get out and milk the cow. he still got there. So that's like the opposite extreme. Like there's a person who really had no education, but was brilliant. Uh, Hamilton is the same thing. Hamilton left what we now call Columbia University to fight in the Revolutionary War. Okay? He became perhaps the best lawyer in New York State. And he, what we call the federal government, he invented most of it. As Secretary of the Treasury, when they started out in Washington's first term, there was no government. There was no government. He had invented it. So he did awesome things. The prosperity of the United States was created from day one by Alexander Hamilton, by his assumption plan, which was opposed by many people, but eventually he got it through Congress. And that's why the United States, right from the beginning, was able to function commercially and trade internationally. So we're talking about a brilliant guy, a guy who was an orphan at 12, So, uh, there are plenty of guys who have doctorates who are in many ways dopey. I listen to these guys on the internet all the time. You know, like there are physicists, because, you know, I'm a physics fanatic, right? And I listen to these discussions about quantum mechanics and relativity and such, which is great. But if you hear these guys talk about something else, I have no idea what they're talking about. They don't speak properly. They're not informed. Lambert, who's that? So uh, you have to realize that, as I said, most people are high in some skill, low on another, and you have to pick the right person. You know, like I have the guy who's my webmaster. He created that. Website, I'm sure you've seen my website. Mm-hmm, right? mm-hmm. It's a very effective website. Lots of people say, what a great website you have. Because it was designed to take somebody who knows nothing and bring them up to specs on Septemix in 20 minutes, 15 minutes. And it does that, right? I had this really brilliant designer, right? Top designer in the tech industry. But in other things, he's like clueless. And that's how most people are. So what you're looking for in a wife could be very different from what you're looking for in a part in your business. Could be very different from what you're looking for in an attorney who's going to take on a case for you. See, so it's just like you're, you're picking the right specimen. And that is what this facilitates. Now, a farmer or a rancher, he knows horses are a certain way, cows are a certain way, sheep are a certain way, so he knows how to take care of them. He, he knows what they need, what they don't like, right? That's his area of, of skill, right? So this does the same thing with people, but it's very broad and applies to everyone, because I already know this applies to all humans across all demographics, doesn't matter your ages, gender, uh, religion, socioeconomic level, uh, et cetera. None of those things matter. But I'll tell you what does matter. This book was written for people who want to improve themselves and others. Now, some people might say, well, isn't that everybody? No, it's not everybody. There are l- large categories of people who would have no interest in improving themselves or others: psychopaths, sociopaths, professional criminals, war criminals, terrorists, torturers, corrupt politicians. You know, these people don't want to help you. They want to clean out your bank account and steal your wife. So, any one of these people, uh, you know, like. Handel Hitler, for example, he would never read this book. If he did read it, he wouldn't understand it. But even if he did understand it, he wouldn't apply it because it's contrary to his way of life. So the good news is this book is not a benefit to the people who are wrecking society. It is a benefit to the people who are advancing society. Yes. Yes. So don't worry that George Soros is going to get a hold of this and more efficiently destroy countries, okay, Uh, which he does. Uh, So it would be more likely that somebody like that would try to suppress this book And I don't know if I'll be around, but eventually that's going to happen at some point. Because in case you haven't heard, the world is controlled by at most 8,000 people. They are a cabal of globalist fascists who do not want you to do well. When a person does well, it's hard to control him. They want you to do poorly. They want to inflate your money so that you can't buy five or six cars, so that you can't get on a yacht and go out to the ocean and be beyond their control. So those people, if they think anything about this book, they're going to oppose it.
0: Well, you know, Jim, I got to tell you, thank you thank you for for sharing your 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 wisdom your experiences and and for writing that book and and you know again i think that was such a it's such a helpful tool that the, the, the majority of people, hopefully the majority of people could pick up and apply to their lives and so not only their lives, but to, to help others along their way as well. And I'll be sure to leave links for your, for your website. And also, uh, would you like me to put a, a link to like, is there like an Amazon link? Would that be best or? There is an Amazon link. Okay. There's an Amazon link. Yeah, great. I'll make sure to put those in the, in the show notes for this episode as well. Uh, so that, that concludes this episode with Mr. Jim Marshall We explored the intriguing world of Septemics and gained insights into Jim's polymathic journey. If you found today's episode valuable, please consider subscribing, leaving a review, and sharing it with your network. Remember, the path to self-improvement is multifaceted, and exploring new perspectives can be a transformative journey. Until next time, keep exploring and expanding your horizons.